Ruth is a rather exciting book found in the Old Testament, and what a marvelous illustration it is of New Testament gospel. Welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Chris Gordon takes us back to Ruth chapter 4 today, verses 1 through 22, message called Introducing the King of Israel, and that's exactly what we get. Along the way, we'll see a selfish exposure of somebody who has the ability but doesn't redeem Naomi, the sacrificial action of Boaz, and then, of course, the meaning of it all. Join us for an exciting look at Ruth, chapter 4 today, as we explore God's amazing grace in His gospel found here in this Old Testament book. With today's edition of Abounding Grace, here's Pastor Chris. Well, I uh, invite you to turn this morning in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 4. Ruth chapter 4. It's been a fun series for me to preach. Maybe fun's not the right word to say, but uh, such a blessing. This, uh, this series uh, has been helpful, and I've really appreciated and been encouraged by the response of the congregation to this series. Um, the surprising gem in the Old Testament like Ruth that shows us this powerful story of God's help and deliverance in the midst of very bad choices of Israel. And today it's meant to leave us on a high note and great encouragement um, and happiness. As the story ended in such tragedy, uh, it, be, it uh, begins in such tragedy, it ends in such happiness. Let's give our attention to the word of the Lord this morning, beginning at verse 1 of chapter 4. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. Then he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one beside you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders of all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and to Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathath, 
and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. May his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child, laid him on her lap, and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Abinadab. And Abinadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. There ends the reading of God's Word. I was uh, somewhat shocked when I opened up the uh, Reformation Study Bible this week and said that biblical interpreters uh, have found it a challenge to find one single dominant theme in the book of Ruth. And I thought that was an interesting statement. There are many themes, I guess, converging in the book of Ruth. But I think what we've seen so far in our study of this book is how the Lord is using this family and zeroing in on this family to teach Israel something and to teach us something. Something very important in studying this family, the things that happen and the figures involved and what they represent and what they were telling us to represent. Israel was in hard times when this book began. Why? Well, because they were not looking to the Lord. They were trusting in every other deliverance under the sun. They were running to other nations for food. They were running to other nations for defense. They had not cleared out the nations like the Lord said. Everything was was going going wrong for Israel. This book was was meant then, as as we're seeing it unfold and we're looking at the story unfold, of how God was reversing this and giving a blessing to this nation through this family. One of the greatest blessings that could ever be given. One of the greatest names that could ever be given. That's what this section is about. This last section, preserving a name. And that's what we're going to look at. God was shining a bright light on them through Ruth. Who didn't go after other gods. Who came to the right field. Who came to Boaz's field. And in Boaz, we see this gracious redeemer who, who brings her in and gives her everything. I mean, this is really one of the most remarkable studies in the whole Old Testament. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was meant for Israel to study, and it was meant for you to study and to ask the same question that Israel was challenged with. Why, O oh Israel, would you ever look to anything else? Why would you run to anyone else? Why would you trust in anything else? Don't you believe you have a God? That's the effect of this. Don't you believe you have a deliverer? Don't you believe you have a redeemer? And then the big question today. Don't you believe before you've ever even asked for it sinfully... 
that you have a king. That's, that's the remarkable twist in this story today. When do they ask for a king? Sinfully. First Samuel. This book ends by saying God already prepared his king. So, let that set in for a minute and we'll see how this unfolds today. But it was meant for Israel to look and say, what's wrong with our heart? What's wrong with the heart of our religion? Something's wrong in the heart before the Lord. And this book draws that out today. It deals with the problem in the problem. The problem of trusting everything else comes to a different kind of problem in the problem. The problem in the problem is, is that they were not finding delight in the Lord. They were not trusting him because they did not find delight in his ways. We'll look at the, this as it comes out today. I have three points I want to um, work with today. The selfish exposure that is given here right at the beginning of chapter 4. The selfish exposure. The sacrificial action that follows. And then I'll end with a very simple point. The meaning of it all. How about that one? The meaning of it all. Here we are in chapter 4, and light has come to Naomi. Remember all the hardship this woman has faced. It's been, it's been difficult. Everything has gone wrong for Naomi. But the daughter-in-law who had come with her from Moab was more than she could ever dreamed of. She had no idea when she had said back in chapter 1, the Lord has sent me back empty. She had no idea who he had sent her back with. And this Gentile... A remarkable thing in and of itself. Another message that's here embedded in this story. A Gentile being brought into the kingdom and through whom the line would come is a powerful introduction in the midst of Israel's apostasy. Elimelech's very own family members, remember, we have this, this issue that we've looked at of what's called the Goel, the Redeemer. In that culture, when a woman was left a widow, the nearest of kin would have the responsibility to marry the widow and raise up a son in, to preserve the name and to preserve the inheritance. But this book has, has um, as we've gone through it, has presented challenge after challenge to make this happen that the Lord has overcome. And now comes the greatest hindrance today to Boaz redeeming Ruth and redeeming Naomi. Boaz gladly accepted, remember last time, but the tension in the story is him introducing seemingly out of the blue an unnamed redeemer. A lot of uh, commentators make a big deal that this guy didn't even get a name in the story, which is important. He's an unnamed redeemer in the midst of them all searching to preserve a name. So this is fascinating. Here we are. Uh, Boaz said that he will redeem her, but all of a sudden he interjects and leaves us all on the edge of our seats. Who is this man who is the unnamed redeemer who has a greater right? Verse 12 Said, uh, verse 12, chapter 3, Now it's true that I'm a redeemer. However, however, there's a relative closer than I. And Boaz says, In the morning he will see if this closer redeemer would take the responsibility to care for Naomi and Ruth and raise up a son. It's a shocking development in the story. An interesting development. Look at verse 1. Now Boaz had gone to the gate 
and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer whom Boaz had spoken, you'll notice there, um, came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend. Sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. Now, these gates in these ancient cities were... um, this is where all the common business would, would take place. They would have major business transactions right at these gates. And what's interesting here is how Boaz addresses his friend. Come on over and sit down. Let's have a chat for a little while. He's going to set this up perfectly. Literally, come aside so-and-so and sit down here. The issue here before us is who is going to redeem Ruth and Naomi? Who's going to be the one? Boaz says, sit down, and all the elders of the city are gathered together, and they have this great uh, business transaction right here. Boaz makes the proposition, and it goes something like this. Naomi has come back from Moab, and she has this parcel of land to sell. Remember, uh, this was an interesting moment because Naomi was poor and needed to sell off the land. She needs the money to live on. She's poor. She's destitute. She has no one to care for her. But if there's a redeemer who could buy the field, he could, and and take Naomi and redeem Naomi and buy that field, he could keep it in his family forever. Your inheritance, it would go to your sons. This This is the first setup here. It would go to your sons. You interested? (laughs) Who isn't interested in that kind of deal? You know, if you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, tell me that I may know for there's no one but you to redeem it and I'm next after you. This was a no-brainer. What would it cost? Okay, you'd have to um, deal with an old widow. But that's it. And you would get this big parcel of land that would be added to your inheritance in the land and to your son. The next thing he says is, well, of course I'll redeem it. I'll take it. This was like, this was like gold falling out of the sky. This is a quick inheritance. This is an easy land grab. Boaz, of course, is sharper than attack. And then he says, well, I want you to know something. The day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi and you redeem... You redeem the land. You also acquire a Moabite whose name is Ruth. The widow of the dead. And what you'll have to do is you're going to have to go in and marry her. And you're going to have to perpetuate that inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I can't redeem that land. I can't redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. There's no way I'm doing that. Take it. You do it. You got it. It's all yours. I'm out. As soon as he heard um, about Ruth, that was the end of the deal. As soon as he heard about Ruth, that's the end of the deal. The words quickly shot back. And you get the point. You know, who, who really cares? This is really how this is going. Who cares about the old lady? That's a free field. But to redeem Ruth, if he takes Ruth and she has a son, which was the requirement of the law, 
that son would get all the rights to the land and rights among his own family. Equal in the inheritance. You redeem it. I'm not touching that. I understand. This is, this is really quite a, a moment. You know, if you were in this kind of position, um, you know, if you've done well in life and you looked at the possibility of gaining nothing from this business deal for your inheritance, all you would now have to deal with is, is dealing with uh, maybe if you were going to get a big parcel of land. I mean, think what land goes for around here. If you're going to get all you'd have to deal with is, is a widow, you might do it, right? But would you, would you do it if you had to then give it to some alien son who was brought into your house? You wouldn't do it. Because it wouldn't benefit you. That's not good business. I don't know anyone who would do that. Give all these rights to a, a son... And not to your family in this kind of scenario. You'd be giving it to a Moab bite. Sorry, that didn't sound right. A Moab bite. No, it's Moabite. Now, I think it's important to understand the intention of the law here. Listen to the law from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 25. Listen carefully. If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son... The wife of the dead man shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. This was, this was, this was commanded. And the first son whom she bears shall succeed to name, succeed to the name of his dead brother that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. And if the man does not wish to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate to the elders and say, my husband's brother refuses to perpetuate his brother's name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. Then the elders of his city shall call him and speak to him. And if he persists, saying... I do not wish to take her. Then his brother's wife shall go up to him in the presence of the elders and pull his sandal off his foot and spit in his face. And she shall answer and say, So shall it be done to the man who does not build up his brother's house. And the name of his house shall be called in Israel, the house of him who had his sandal pulled off. <laughs> <laughs> what a passage, you know. You, I, mean, I, I, I don't know if I've never seen that in my life, but this is the kind of thing when a woman shames she can hawk a loogie in somebody's face. <laughs> Who would have ever thought that's in the Bible? Shame. What, a, what an interesting moment. Then you get to the intention of the law. The intention of this good God was to protect the name of the dead. Wow. Perpetuate that name. That meant a lot in Israel. That meant a lot. And then to provide for the poor. It was sacrificial love at its best. Wasn't it? It was sacrificial love at its best. The man would gain nothing in some cases. And have to give everything. 
In this case, Naomi has a piece of land. She needs the money to live. What would he gain by, by redeeming the land? Well, he'd get a nice piece of property. But Ruth? No way. I'm not raising up another son to take away my inheritance of my children. See, I think the text wants us to stop and think on this for a moment. What a greedy, selfish, bad man who didn't care at all about the law, didn't care about the intention of the law, didn't even care to fulfill the law, to provide for the poor and love his neighbor and keep the name of his relative and for those in need who are starving because he didn't want to lose anything. Here's the big thought. He would have gained in his line the name name above every name. (laughs) What a loss. Seen something come together here yet? Why is that here? (laughs) Why is this section here in chapter 4? To expose a problem. To expose a big problem in Israel. The book has shown that there's no king in Israel. Everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. They didn't want a king. But here's the attitude behind it. Here's the attitude behind it. The law was given with good intention. From a righteous God, a covenant God who loved them, to care for their brethren, to love their brethren. Look at the attitude exposed here. That's what, that's what the text wants us to see. It was all about my inheritance now. There was no love for God or neighbor. But the law had the intention of speaking to an inheritance that was much greater. They're pursuing the wrong inheritance. Their involvement in the kingdom was about children, was about wealth, was about money. The reason Jesus was constantly dealing with this with the Pharisees. Their attitude to God's law was, don't push me to do anything sacrificial. Nothing for anyone else but me and my family. Their religion, listen to me carefully, Their religion had devolved into something that only was duty if they had to do it. If it benefited them and they could reap something. And God in his law called to love sacrificially. And this is Abounding Grace Radio with Pastor Chris Gordon. Well, in closing our time together today... I'm reminded of other resource materials we have available at our website that would complement what we've heard today. agradio.org is a great place to go if you would like to know more about us and take advantage of other resource materials we have there. And if you have a question that you would like to address Pastor Chris with, maybe today's broadcast has sparked a, a thought or two, a question, please, by all means, send it off to us. Now, you can either email that to us through our website, agradio.org, or better yet, voice it through your voice memo app. Record your question, your name, and where you're calling from, and then send that 
to questions at agradio.org. That's questions at agradio.org. You're also welcome to reach us by phone. The number is 888-504-8805. Abounding Grace Radio is also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can visit our website for links to the platform that you prefer to follow. One final note as we close out our program today, we are listener-supported, which means friends of the ministry come alongside and partner with us financially and prayerfully, ensuring that this program continues right here on this radio station. You see, we look to friends like you to help ensure that this broadcast continues to spread the gospel of grace wherever we're at. If you would like to be a part of that, a small gift, large gift, one-time or an ongoing monthly gift, we'd love to hear from you. agradio.org, you can give securely online, 888-504-8805, or write to us, Abounding Grace Radio, P.O. Box 732, Linden, Washington. The zip code is 98264. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Chris Gordon. Abounding Grace is brought to you on this radio station by Abounding Grace Radio Ministries. Hi, this is Chris Gordon, pastor of the Escondido United Reformed Church. I'd like to invite you to our Sunday worship services at 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. We have two worship services, 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. We preach Christ and Him crucified with the goal that you would live in the joy of this comfort and the knowledge of the forgiveness of all of your sins. 1864 North Broadway is the address here in Escondido. We'd love to see you this Sunday.